In times like these, being a citizen is a big job. Thank you for joining us to celebrate the virtues of self-rule and debate the state of our republic. Welcome to the Citizen's Prerogative Podcast. This is the voice of your nerdy host, Michael Piscatelli, and we are blessed with a co-host whose passion for our republic precedes him everywhere he goes, Raymond Wong Jr. Ah, well, hello, grazie, grazie. This is episode 12, and we are in season two. The name of this episode is The Freedom Contract. And we have a few topics on the docket today. Um, Some things we want to do is just recap uh, some ideas that we had from season one, uh, the foundation season, because they're ideas that we're going to continue to refer back to throughout season two and however many episodes end up uh, showing up in in your stream here. So um, the first one we want to revisit is the car metaphor. And we want to make sure that people... You know, we want to make sure that people remember to refer back to what we like to call the videos or or anything we have from the past is our archive. So we'll always be available. We'll always look back to those to try to um, understand what we've said or expand, explain, or evolve what we've said in the past. Thank you, Ray. So the first topic that we want to explore a little bit deeper is the car metaphor. And Ray and I were talking a little bit about this metaphor before we started recording this particular episode because we realized how much we both feel it's really useful for the information we like to share between, you know, among one another and to share out there with all of you. And so we've refined the metaphor a little bit, and I just want to review where we are landing with it at this point. And this will be the foundation that we're using rolling forward with the car metaphor. So for those of you who may just be joining us um, and haven't listened to all of season one, the car metaphor is what we use to talk about the Republic and our economy and the system that we live in in the United States in more of an abstract way. And it's very, you know, it's a very tangible, very accessible idea. I mean, generally, majority of Americans are very familiar with the concept of an automobile. So just to break down the metaphor at a high level, um, because we're only reviewing it here, we'll move on to talking other topics here shortly. The first piece of the car metaphor we want to relate in is the Constitution of the United States. Uh, The Constitution is the blueprint for our system of governance um, inspired by the Declaration of Independence. And it's a blueprint for, we're going to use it in the same context, a blueprint for how to build a car, Um, the design, you know, the DNA of how the car is going to look, how it's going to function, the features it's going to have, et cetera. So our constitutions are blueprint. We have Congress. We consider Congress the factory for the Republic because it's where all the lawmaking happens and it's through rule of law that we set up institutions and we operate things around here. The Republic itself as as a whole institution, we feel is representative by the frame of the car, the chassis 
of the car. It is the singular many uh, unit component that when assembled together as one holds the whole superstructure together and holds all the components of the structure within it. So it's very critical. Like we don't have a country. <laughs> I don't know how we have economy. We don't have anything without rule of law and we don't have the Republic. And then the engine, pretty self-explanatory. People understand when we equate that to the economy, we always refer to the economic engine of things. So that's not a stretch to anybody's imagination, I hope. And the driver, the driver of this car is the citizens, the citizens who vote. Because citizens who vote exercise their ability to turn the steering wheel or push on the accelerator stick or depress the brake pedal or whatever terminology is in your local DMV manual. And then there's passengers in the car. What car doesn't have passengers? Well, don't answer that question. It's rhetorical. But the passengers in the car represent all of those citizens out there who don't vote the silent majority, if you will, um, the, you know, the people who may or may not be registered, but otherwise would be eligible to vote and choose not to exercise that right, that responsibility, that obligation. Um, and so they're not in the driver's seat. Did I miss anything, Ray? No, I mean, it's perfect, perfectly given representation of the democracy. I, I just don't know if there's a better way to describe it. I mean, a vehicle is made of 2,000 parts on average, okay? If you imagine the complexity it takes to build a vehicle, uh, all that goes to make that all work in unison so that these vehicles work uh, for thousands of miles uh, without a hitch, um, some better than others. And that's the point of the democracy, right? Not all vehicles are created equal. Not all democracies or republics are created equal. So I, I, I like this ideal of the framework, which is uh, built by the, so constitution is the blueprint. And then you have Congress, who is this factory that's supposed to build us a drivable car. So our question to the citizen and ourselves, is this the quality of car I need for my family, for my friends, and for people to feel safe? Do I feel safe in my car? Uh, not so sure right now. Hmm. Thank you. So that's going to cover the car metaphor for now. We will be using it and referring back to it quite frequently. So we don't want to belabor it. The other thing we want to bring up before we get into the meat and potatoes of this episode is around the current state of the contract. And when I say the contract, I'm referring back to the title of the episode, the freedom contract. And freedom is a contract. <laughs> freedom is a contract between the governed and those who govern, the those who are governed and the people who govern those individuals. Um, you know, we're we operate under self-governance. And that contract's become pretty warped, warped with we talked we in previous episodes we talked a little bit about wealth and capital and you know all of those things some of the forces that are operating against or um, with uh, the republic and and us as individuals just trying to pursue happiness right and so in all of that is a contract and and in some of 
in many ways, the contract right now is unfair. Uh, it's unequal. Um, I mean, in a lot of ways, it always has been, right? That's the promise of this country is to actually come out with a system that is everyone playing by the same set of rules. Um, so some of the things we just want to revisit, we, we're not going to go into detail only because we have espoused on these. We've, we've gone into detail a little bit already in these areas, and it's not what we're covering in particular today, but it's useful to have these things in mind as we move forward in the discussion. So some of the ideas we want to raise about the current state of the contract that we have is that there are inequities abound everywhere. You know, they're born into the custom American monopoly game that's been baked into our system. The rules in our game are rigged to benefit the current winners. And that that type of rigging, that kind of backroom dealing has been going on for a very long time. Um, and it's something we have to continue to move away from. We've also got an issue in the contract where it's set up to hold others back. It's making available a separate and unequal version of something labeled education, for instance. Um, all just, you know, depending on where you live. And people are like, oh, there's nothing we can do about it because of property taxes. Well, that's the system we set up. So we've learned from that system and now time to change it. There's also inequities around who's entitled to live in this country, who's, who's entitled to have a right to their life in this country. And we see these reflected in stand your ground, uh, a stand your ground defense that's uh, basically very inequitable. You know, we, we earned it, we deserve it. So, you know, we can, we can, we can keep this thing no matter what um, doesn't make any sense. And then on the opposite side of things, they feel whoever those people are, they feel like they can run others down in some case using state, state power or authority. And these two last points feel nebulous, right? What, what am I talking about for real? But it's this idea that people deserve what they earned because they did it completely on their own. And that's a lie. Because if anybody's earned anything in this country, it's because this country exists. It's because the system exists. It's because the rule of law has been established here in order for them to actually have achieved that thing. It's not because they were born naturally deserving or capable of acquiring all of that. And then the run others down, it's like, we've seen that recently in the sense that uh, some people are allowed to riot and others aren't, <laughs> um, which also is that disparity behind policing, right? What, you know, what, why are some people, why do the police feel like they can deprive a certain group of people of life more often than others? If you think about what happened in the Capitol as an incident and of, of running others down. So the state didn't even have to lift a finger. And that's the problem is that the state had control of the floodgates of people and they just decided to let it flow. So it's technically by inaction, they allowed 
the, the Capitol building to be run down. And that was one branch of the government attacking the other, in essence, right, for lack of a better word there. Um, and this is stand your ground defense where people believe that they've earned it, right? You hear that a lot from leadership in, in, in the corporate space. I heard it because uh, I've always been a controversial employee, uh, but people, leaders would tell me all the time, we're in this position for a reason. We're here for a reason. And to me, <laughs> you don't have to say things like that if you're in, in a leadership position, right? If you're genuinely in a position, you don't say your actions should show what you're there for right and that's that's the truth there and and so we've got a serious uh disconnect there but i think you're absolutely right those two last comments about stand your ground defense of inequity saying that others can get it they just have to try it's not true it's not true they that 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 doesn't the fact of the matter is that there are there are different mechanisms that help you get there. It's a community effort that gets people to where they go. That's what it is. When people say, I did it all by myself, I upset small business owners and independent contractors all the time. Because every time they tell me, I don't want a boss, I always tell them, well, well who pays you? Are they not your boss? And they always are a little, well, yeah, you're right. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, I'm glad that argument works on a lot of people and they're impressed, but you still have a boss. It's the economy, stupid. That's what I meant to say, Mike. And all that, I was agreeing, it's the economy, stupid. We're subject to it. It's our boss. We, we all, we are all, whether we want it or not, we're all in a system where we're serving something. We're serving some kind of purpose. Like if if we're in a particular role, like you, you're talking about, you know, people operating businesses, even if you work at a corporation or something like that, that business is a perfect example. The customer, at the end of the day, the, 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 they are beholden to the tastes, preferences, and whims of their customers. And that's why you know the relationship with customers is so important because that's make it or break it for you when you're operating a business. So that's your boss at the end of the day, right? You want people to give you money. Well, that's who you're beholden to in that sense. And so at the end of the day, we should all be looking at those connections to our communities in and around it among us, because we all have them. I mean, freedom is a specific thing. It is not for you to make up whatever you want. You don't need, you don't get to declare yourself free of anything, because guess what? We've already got the law. The law tells us what our freedoms are. And we can change it if we want it to be different, but it's we who has to change it for all of us as we all live under it. So please don't ever feel like, yeah, it's all you, only you. And so the state being mechanized, one more piece for the state to run you down. Um, We've spoken a lot throughout season, the first season about pay to play. And that's the big issue, issue here, folks, is that um, if you become successful, any any rising star corporation, individual, et cetera, et cetera, politician, uh, the, you have to face the others that will use the state to run you down. The pay to play mechanism of the state 
where you have these large corporations who are in the government because they pay, they've been paying for years. So when they call and say, hey, I'm a little concerned about uh, regulation in this space because there's small players trying to take my business, uh, guess what? They have a voice because they've been paying to play. That can't be the way our government runs anymore. Just because you pay cash, send a check to this politician every year for the last 20 years, you get to call and shut down your competitor because that's what's happening. Oh, the current state of the contract is rigged. People are pissed for a good reason. Unfortunately, that anger is being misdirected intentionally because the hardest. Yeah, harnessed. harnessed. Right. It's yeah. being harnessed and redirected. It's like what Tai Chi or I don't know, one of those, one of those uh, martial arts where you use your enemy's energy against them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mortal Combat. We're in the we're in the middle of this Mortal Combat, and you see that, and I I, I know that I feel like you and I speak in such urgency uh, throughout season one, but now we see this culmination with the Capitol under siege. And, and you see why it's so important, this fact about this idea of you stand your ground and you just because you feel it personally that others have to follow it. Like that's where people lose it. Like that's not freedom. Freedom is that you get to feel that way, not that you take action on other people's freedoms. You don't mm-hmm. get to tell other, others how to live. There's a lot of people obsessed with controlling others. I'm, I'm convinced that there are nothing but these control freaks that want to control um, others. They, they spend all day obsessed about what others are doing instead of themselves. Or they just want to tear everybody down because misery loves company. That's true. All of the above, right? I right. shouldn't generalize. That's why we're here. We're trying so not many, to generalize. There were so many flags on that Capitol. Yeah. There was no well, I one, like the Georgia there, flags because people were had the Georgia, the national flag of, of Georgia in Europe, not the Georgia state flag. So they weren't even from Georgia. Oh, it just was. Yeah. yeah. They had the national flag. Yeah. Yeah. The, the nation of Georgia. I, I wonder if yes. that's I wonder if hmm, and now I want to go look into that. We'll, we'll talk about that later. But it, may, it makes me wonder if it's. um not necessarily maybe Nazi right wing, but um, also this vein of libertarianism that's a little bit perverse um, that may be tracing back to Eastern Europe. It's It's been making the rounds recently. I've been picking up on some of the revolutionaries of Eastern Europe and how their good intention is whatever their actions were is one thing and their intentions are another and people taking those things and using them for their own purpose. But wow, that, that, that implies that this, these group, this group is deep. Like, yeah. <laughs> With what you said, I'm, I'm willing to believe they just got the flag wrong. <laughs> they got the flag wrong. <laughs> That's a different country. The state. Well, yes. Oh, I, I, well, I hope I, they're not I, thinking that deep because then we're in trouble. Well, no, it's not necessarily that anybody in particular was thinking deeply. It's it's somebody dug deeply and fed that, and that's what was available at the trough. You're right. You're right. That's what I'm kind of thinking. I, I want to go back and see. Wait a minute. What kind of you know? What crazy philosophy is being hijacked now for this insane, deranged set of 
who knows what, what mission, what purpose. People want to say anarchy. Anarchy is actually can be a, a very constructive thing, and we'll talk about that at some point. Um, but yeah, I think it's just to tear everything down because misery lives company. We'll see. Well, they just want to be taken seriously too, I guess. I don't know. Let's not get in their heads. I watched The American President, um, which of course is a great movie that I love because I needed to hear a presidential voice. Uh, and it's, it's insane to me that the, the, the responses in there were, you needed that. You kind of needed this response because there's a part where uh, they, the president, the actor president says that, you know, you take, you blame a bunch of middle-aged people for their lot in life and you tell them they're the ones to blame. They're the, and, and I was like, ooh, that hits a little close to home. <laughs> it's, yeah, there's the echoes. It's like the game plan's been written and used many times. <laughs> Um, but it finally backfired, right? The manipulation system has been there for, for age old, it's age old, right? But it's, it finally blew up. But the question is, is, I think people have egos and that'll be the challenge is that freedom <laughs> requires that we nurture it. We don't nurture your ego. So that's what we're seeing going on in Capitol Hill now. It's ego versus freedom, just pure freedom. I think it's about time for... A word for our sponsor before we dig into the, the real topic. Like I was feeling very sponsored at the moment. Thanks. <laughs> Fulfilling a dream where all possess an intrinsic love for self-rule that is reciprocated with free speech and equal justice under the law. Citizen Do Good values all of the amendments of the Constitution along with the original core documents. It all forms a framework and an operating manual for the Republic. And it provides us with the means to change with our times. The time is now to deeply re-examine our current implementation of governance. We are at the dawning of a new day. We're a proud sponsor of the Citizens Prerogative Podcast, a major partner in spreading the good word about civic love and the power of change for us all. Help us stay on mission and grow this community by rating the podcast with five stars in your app. If you don't feel like you can give us five stars, let us know why on our sponsor's Facebook page, Citizen Do Good. Like the page to help out even further. Also, make sure you join our newsletter at citizendogood.com. You'll get updates every couple of months on all of our antics, not just the podcast. While you're there, check out the shop with your favorite merch, or maybe you can make a project contribution, add that to your cart. Feel free to share any suggestions you have directly through our Contact Us page. Thanks for your support. So Ray, we talked a little bit about the current state. We reviewed the car metaphor. I should say the current state of the contract that we have as citizens in our system. Now let's talk about how to evolve this system in response to changes in all of the environments. Um, everything's changing, it seems like, faster and in, in new and different ways. And 
I always try to find the silver lining in things. Um, and I think some of the recent events, the only way to look at them as a new challenge, a new test to the experiment, we're going to be, we're going down a use case. We're going down the road of a use case that the founding fathers feared so much. They were so preoccupied with. And, and it's a fear that had kept this meritocratic professional political elite um, around the system for so long as much as possible. And yeah, there was political infighting, but at the end of the day, that group of people always knew they, were, they would all make it or break it by that set of rules. And as we've democratized things, oh, right? I've got I have yeah. to jump in Go. and just and we have to remind people is that the um, no president first draft of our founding fathers of this, this great nation, this government, we will always remind people or I will obnoxiously is that there was no president in the first draft because what Michael's saying is they were genuinely concerned about too much centralized power, one individual doing what the current president did in 2020 and the four years prior that's what they were worried about and they didn't have a president in the first draft of our government what does that say to you and, and most citizens don't know that and that's what being a responsible citizen is you need to understand that the presidency was created out of out of what is it michael um angst resistance yeah, it was a compromise it was a compromise um <laughs> It was seen as a king, that role. They didn't, we were, <laughs> this country was founded to get out from underneath the oppression of living, you know, under a king, an absolute ruler, an authority, an authority, um, what's the word, ordained by God? Yes. Even. So two things we didn't want. We, we wanted to create this country and we, we didn't want it to fail like Rome, but we wanted to have de democratic values. We wanted it to have the ability to change with time so that people didn't have to commit revolution every four years or six years or 20 years. Revolution is painful. So, and they didn't want a king and they certainly didn't want a religious structure, power authority because there were many religions here and there would be many more to come. So yeah, it was a compromise to have a president and it was really difficult to figure out, well, who, who, how would it be selected? I mean, one of the things that probably changed the most when you want to talk about voting <laughs> um, early on is how we, how they picked the president among them. It was quite controversial. I mean, we've, it was not a pretty, it was not, this system has never really been pretty. It's never been pretty. And I don't think if that's not, that's not the game we're playing. That's not the end result we're going for. Pretty is not it. Dictators are good at putting up pomp and circumstance and pretty. That's not what this is. This is self-rule people. This is where freedom comes from. <laughs> and it takes all of us. Advance citizenship yeah yeah now i'm all i can think is uh we really need to dial back 
the authority of the executive branch as, as much as possible. And um, well, they technically you know. don't have very much authority. They they have very limited authority, and it's it's all perceived and authority of precedence, right? So the previous administrations have acted outside of their true authority, and the Congress has done nothing to claw nothing. it back. Yes. So that's why we're here. So we the, the Congress right. needs to take its action as an equal level. Do not act like a subordinate level of the 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 judicial the judiciary has done its job. Okay, Congress needs to show up to the party as well and finally fight back. Yeah, and I mean, I don't want to go, I, I don't entertain conspiracy theory, but, you know, one of the best ways to take out a republic like ours is is to give the vote, give the vote as many people as possible and teach them as little as possible. You You want to show how a republic will fail. You want to show why democracy doesn't work then that's what you do you take education you give people a vote and you take away their ability to understand how to use it and then you're like okay well now we're you know we're at the casino we're just going to see what happens rather than take it very seriously the work of self-rule and say okay well we do want to be that shining hill that shining city we want to show the rest of our species how we can organize ourselves to be free and effective you know, for future society, well, that means we should be teaching everyone, you know, how to participate in the system, teaching everyone civics, how to think, how to learn. Like we would really invest in our citizens if we thought about things in that way, where we wanted to demonstrate the power, capacity, and true amazingness that a republic can have and, and democracy can bring. But we half, we quarter asset. Well, thank goodness the document is secure, right? It's the only good news at this very moment is that the Constitution remains intact. But the Republic, the vehicle that we're all driving that we've been sold, that frankly has no power whatsoever, you have to roll it down a hill and then it slightly makes it up the other side of the hill with the push of our fellow Americans, not even through government help. Yeah, we need to pop the clutch to get it running. And then to get over the hill, we need the help of our neighbors. That's the republic that we're running right now. And that is what the the government doesn't want to free us from. As long as we're busy pushing this republic up the hill constantly, which is the best metaphor I can think of, uh, they they are looking at us and, and siphoning our tax dollars into pork barrel projects and contractor dollars and and um, uh, speaking fees mm-hmm. at companies, right? So yep. they're just lining their pockets off mm-hmm. of us. Oh, they still haven't noticed? Okay, keep doing it. Oh, they haven't right. noticed? Oh, keep doing it. Oh, wait, a few, a few of them noticed? Let them in, let them in, let them in. Social media. So social media was their worst enemy because it lo- they lost control of it. They thought they could manipulate it. They thought they could use it. They got all their followers on it. And now it's out of control because um, there are other individuals who are spending more time trying to manipulate people than they are. There are people with bigger budgets to manipulate individuals. So it's a manipulation war. Mm, free for all. Uh, and, and the reason why I was bringing back to education, the vote is because mm, the factory Congress is populated by the people we put there. <laughs> yeah. They gerrymandered some of their seats and whatnot, but again, we kept putting them in 
power and they did it and then we didn't do anything about them doing it we probably didn't notice i mean i'm waiting for you to break in and be like yeah we were in the car we were driving to work we were dealing with healthcare. we were dealing with whatever right worried about bills we're trying to figure out how to make ends meet in the meantime who could who could if you're too busy if you're too busy feeding your family if you're so worried and, and maybe if there's a pandemic going, let's just say that there is a global pandemic going on and the government hasn't given you support for seven months. I'd imagine there's not much time to worry about anything else. Right. So anyone who's in a central worker is, is still locked down in this system. And then there's another group of people who are no longer stuck in their car every day, who, but long to be stuck in their car because they don't know what the meaning of life is. They didn't know that they're supposed to do something intellectual at that time and not be stuck in traffic. And yes, you've got to raise your children. Sorry. I'll just say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Isn't that, yeah, I don't, I won't touch on that cause I don't have kids, but I, I see where that goes. Um, and it reminds me, you, you touched on that intellectual pursuits. And I was reading an article earlier today. It was so heartening because it was reaffirming. And I hate to say a march on the Capitol is reaffirming to anything. And that's not what I'm talking about. But that also proves it's like, oh, well, at least there's a wake-up call to Congress. But the article I was reading about was how during the pandemic, with people who did have free, people who have free time, they're finding a huge increase in the number of amateur um, astronomers and amateur scientists. All these people that are joining these studies that where crowdsourcing really helps collect the data or crunch the data or whatever it is. And it could be, you know, searching for objects that are going to collide with Earth and kill everybody on it um, to discovering or identifying new species or different species of certain bugs or insects or plants or animals. Um, and it's, it's amazing. It's fantastic. It's really heartening to see that if people were given now, not to say that the struggle isn't real, right. But, but the idea that if people were free to pursue happiness, had free time to pursue intellectual things, to build knowledge, people do actually have an innate insatiable curiosity to things. People aren't just going to sit around. Not everyone's going to sit around and play video games all day. And, and if you do for some period of time, so be it. But, you know, yeah. just enjoy it, whatever you're doing. Just enjoy it. That's your freedom. That's your right. Pursue happiness. At the same time, you may take a few minutes off or you take a break or something happens that inspires you to go check out some app. And then you help find that asteroid. The five minutes, the 10 minutes, the first time, the only time, the fifth time you log on, you find that asteroid or whatever that, that prevents, you know helps us have avoided our, some catastrophe. You never know. That's, that's the craziest thing about time and space in the universe. Um, anyway. And myself being a, <laughs> being a historian and a volunteer, volunteering person, right? Um, I just yes. imagine the boom for that. If, if people Huge. were able to focus, if, so we're, we're talking about freeing people from the oppression, right? To live their best life. And if, if you free people to live and, and i imagine in the museum community and the communities where we do a lot of this uh nurturing and interpretation it's people are going to choose to do that they'd rather give a tour of a museum all day every day and that's their life 
for the rest of their days and they don't have to worry about health insurance and they don't have to worry about their basic income because it's taken care of. And, and then the, the nonprofits will flourish. Yeah, it's a, a great segue. We were on a bit of a tangent there, but we, what we were edging into is is the idea that there are some there are freedoms. This this whole freedom contract thing, and there are, I would say three main categories. I propose Ray hasn't disagreed, and up to you all to push back or add to. But the three major tenants, or I would say planks to this freedom contract platform, are very simply stated as. The freedom from oppression, the freedom from poverty, and the freedom from ignorance. And we're not going to have time to, you know, dive into all of these today. But we are talking about freedom from oppression first. First up, um, and there's a freedom. I mean, oh, excuse me, oppression. Oppression takes so many forms. I mean, sometimes it's subtle, sometimes it's overt. Um, so we're going to try and isolate it to a few things. I mean, we're, we're talking about the citizen's prerogative here and the, the republic in the United States. So just keep in mind that you, you can probably take these as very broad tenants and apply them to many more ideas. Um, that's not our focus or our purpose here. So looking at the freedom from oppression, what does it mean? What, what does that mean to a citizen on the ground? Well, it means securing your vote first and foremost, because that is one of the, the, it's the source of your power. Also securing your free speech. And freedom from oppression involves lawmaking that works for humans in the republic, not necessarily companies, right? The companies already exist because they're returning some value benefit, whatever it is. Um, the laws are there for the people. So that's something we have to get made clear because that's not clear in the rigged system we live in today. The other thing around freedom from oppression has to do with the contract in uh, among one another, right? It's It's one thing to have freedom from a state, a government, um, an authority that, you know, could crush you. It's another, it's equally important to be free from oppression from a peer, an equal, a, someone in society. You know, I'm not trying to say the government's above people, but, but it's more powerful generally than an individual. But when individuals go toe to toe, we should be free from the tyranny of one another. Um, and so I kind of embody that message in live and let live. We need to be able to live and let live among one another, your body, your life, your choice, you know, to be free. And so we all have the choice for ourselves and our lives and, and our bodies to do what we want. That's our choice. That's our freedom. My freedom stops where someone else's begins, meaning, well, what they choose for their body, their life, that's their choice as long as they are not infringing on my life. They try and take my life. That's another story. Justice should be blind. Doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, what religion you are, what you look like, anything like that. A crime is a crime is a crime. That's it. You you know, and it, we all live under the same rules and laws. And if we break those rules and laws, we're, we are all subject to the same penalties and exceptions. If there are exceptions, we make exceptions for murder. 
right? That's, I think that's one of the commandments or something, thou shalt not kill. Well, guess what? We make an exception for murder. <laughs> we probably make a couple of exceptions, unfortunately. One is for self-defense. Um, apparently, stand your ground somewhere gets mixed into it. So that's the other one that's got a, that's a problem. That's a mm-hmm. major issue in the boundary, right, of live and let live. Digital access, data privacy, civil rights of ownership. Now, I haven't been hearing too much. I'm sure in digital areas, like in, you know, the techie world, there's all probably going to be a a flutter around soon digital access and data privacy. But at the end of the day, what we're going to find out is the future of things like Facebook or Twitter or anything like that, the relationship we have with those should be very different because the data should be ours. And we should choose when and where and how they access it, much like a credit bureau is today, right? A company in general cannot pull certain types of credit information on people, you know, without a reason. Now, I don't want to go too deep in credit bureaus because that's a schemey system in and of itself. And we can talk about that. We can have a whole separate discussion on the credit bureau situation because basically they're the ones harvesting data on individual. They're the original data harvesters <laughs> um, and your rights to it are so limited, right? It's only in recent days and years that they've started opening up access because they started losing the data, right? They started getting breaches and then they're like, oh, okay, yeah, we're not so great, are we? So let's make sure you're more involved in how your data, how much is there and whether it's right. Um, I'd like to see all of that changed, whether it be credit bureaus, Facebook, et cetera. Your life, your data, it's your rights. Well, if you need precedence, you've got the European Union who's already spoken up in regards to where data rights stand. So uh, we don't even need to argue if there's any precedence there, right? The, the European Union has spoken very clearly where data rights stand. And it just because we haven't caught up, right? Because we it's our product. So the United States is less apt to attack its white people like it is to attack its companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's going to be, there has to be a reckoning there. It's pretty bad the way the harvesting has been happening. And that's, and it's part of it. Free, and the thing is that that is one step away from that data being used for, for bad, right? Or being used for, for, for better, you know, for the capital, the incident that happened at the capital, the fact that these individuals were so obsessed with using their phones but we'll see how quickly the government can leverage these tools to corner and capture people, right? So it should be kind of an impress. It's impressive, this exercise that's going on, but it's also worrisome because they could do this anyways. This is where oppression can quickly come in from the government. And also you have to ask yourself, hey, they can do this. So what's the urgency when they attack citizens and other protests right if they can capture citizens later down the road and everyone's broadcasting this stuff on their facebook's and social media because you're not doing something illegal you're protesting well the government doesn't have to act right then they can act later so there's another proof of concept where oppression seems to also be doled out um by that whole again that what did we say the government running at you right as it seems fit Mm mm-hmm 
Yeah, and they're less likely to, I mean, that's a, an age-old way to go after your opponents. Like if, mm, take it outside of our country, in another country where there's someone, you know, trying to conduct a coup or something like that, they're going to be subversive in taking out their supporters or whatever it is, right? Slowly but surely, because if you, if you do anything too obvious or too bold, it's going to cause a, you know, response of almost equal stature. Um, it's it's going to be curious to see how many failures, the the root cause failures will be deep. Yes. We we haven't seen it yet, and it's probably confidential. I would imagine for a multitude of reasons, but we're probably going to see that there were either systematic or personal failures, either because of systematic racism, because of our beliefs that. Uh, the right wing is less violent or that uh, a mob of white people is less dangerous. I mean, tell that to Louis and his wife, but that, that, that just, it, it, it's strange that there's this weird racist perception. So what's going to be interesting is the, the dissection, you right. The post-mortem analysis of what happened on the Capitol and it affected so many people and the Democrats are in power, thankfully. So the questions will be asked because it was incited. Somebody somewhere dropped the ball. And you know what? I don't think it was one of those incidents where someone's like, I have a vengeful intent. Somebody, a It was a crime of, people, of opportunity. It was right. you know, a multitude of crimes of opportunity, I suspect as well. Yeah. There rose- There's no, ma- I, I, I will be, okay, pleasantly surprised if there was some, some mastermind. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean we pleasantly surprised, but I mean, I will be, I'll be like, wow, okay. So they did that. That's interesting. So I, I, that's it. Yeah. I think we're going down to the fact of like, so this manipulation of people, right? So there mm-hmm. was no one that had ill intent. And I don't think anybody wanted them to storm the Capitol. That wasn't the intention of anyone that day. Uh, maybe those, well, those individuals. There, there were but some not, groups. Some no organization. Anti-government yeah, right. Groups. No government organization, no. I mean. Right. So the active players in our government were just playing the game like they have, but they played it harder than anyone else has ever, like all the way to the finish line. And that's what they saw, because as Americans, we get intense at the finish line. So they not conceding. This is the opposite reaction, right? We rely too much on norms. We rely too much on norms. And so this is so this is how far you can stretch norms. This is the danger of norms Mm -hmm. rather than rules. Or truth. Or truth. Well. Yeah, well, we gotta get facts out there. It'll be interesting. We'll see where the facts land. Um, Well, well, here here are the facts. Private property. Is, is is a is something we'll continue to talk about um, when we talk about freedom of oppression right this breach on the capitol and it's a good place we're all going to be the good news is like is that our work for season two is going to be much easier mike because we get to talk to people about what happened at the capitol as an example of a breach right even mm-hmm. if you don't understand what's going on with black lives matter or what's going on when people's homes are violated we all can understand when was it too far on the Capitol building? When was it too far? When they breached the steps? Okay, you agree. If somebody runs up the steps of your house, you'd shoot them. That's, that's your American dream. Great. That's your American truth. There's going to be a lot of calibration, folks, but I think we can all agree something happened that was wrong. 
and it warrants a discussion for quite some time. And it's always been wrong. Oops. It's always been wrong, but now it's, it's a clear and present danger. Yeah, it really and is. Part of our oppression. Those people are oppressed. They are part of the same problem. So the same strife that we all are, are feeling, the same issue that we're all feeling here with this oppression, they're feeling it as well, just on an opposite side. And instead of seeking truth on their own, because they don't have the access that maybe we do in the cities and they don't have the access that we do in the more, I don't know what to say. It's not an access issue. It's just knowing to seek out the truth. Some of the small towns though, access, because when I'm up, you know, even when I just, I can only speak to my personal truth here, right? When I'm in Northern Arizona. How are they getting to the lies? However they're getting to the lies, they're choosing the lies over the truths. In the some lies areas, the I'd, I'd argue that Fox right? News might be the only broadcaster mm. in the area, hmm. right? So if that's the only, if you can only get your radio, classic analog TV, you know, and you're in a small town. Well, and you Fo- Fox is cable only. So, so over the air is just local so stations. The Fox affiliates are oh. in the small towns. Well, and now whoever the other one is that's taking over all the local stations. Right. So, and I guess this is the kind of stuff we look forward to pulling Sinclair. back, right? Because this is part of the oppression, the system that through companies and co- so, like Michael said very early on, right? <laughs> laws that are made for the public, republic, and for people, not companies. The laws that are in place have enabled these companies to gobble up local news companies. So now they're part of these conglomerate, subconglomerate, subconglomerate that just eats their news from the Associated Press and the Fox Corporation talking points, frankly. Well, it, yeah, I, at a macro level, the, <laughs> the rich people have built themselves a castle <laughs> and they have a bullhorn. And unfortunately, people don't really know. Yeah, they're not really digging deep enough to know who they should be listening to. Um, and it's really unfortunate because, yeah, you've got you got a bunch of these trust fund babies who actually don't know how to do anything. Yeah. And now they're just trying to defend what they feel like is rightfully theirs, their inheritance. But it's not. They're not capable. Um, and that's quite evident. And unfortunately, you've got people that are angry for valid reasons. All of us, many of us are angry for valid reasons. They're just given a target to attack that is totally false. It's, 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 and we're, we're in human nature. We're, we're curious. We want to find things out. We want to have the answer. We have to understand that we won't always have the answer. We won't always be right. We will sometimes lose. It's just what happens. Um, Mm -hmm. And we're not saying just because the Democrats are coming into power that somehow that fixes anything. Oh, God, no. It makes it worse in some ways. (laughs) I mean, the problem becomes now we're so distracted with fixing or whatever, you know, like we're caught in that always, oh, we got to push it back. We got to push it back. No, no, no. No time to think big, think correct, try and learn from the mistakes because the Democrats have mistakes to learn from here. You know, if people... If they keep saying the wrong thing, saying the right thing and doing the wrong thing, we're going to continue right down the path we've been on. We're going to have another Trump. Like this will only continue if people don't really wise up. If McConnell doesn't actually believe the words he espouses in the same 
on on the left. Like I think uh, hopefully enough people, and we're just saying for Democrats because they're the freshest crew. They're generally the newest set of citizens to arrive in the House of Power. Okay. I I mean, there's a lot of new people on the Republican side, but that's from Tea Party and some other stuff, right? So you've got this group of people that doesn't believe in facts, doesn't believe in science, wants to tear it down, wants to rule for the sake of ruling on one side. And then you have the other side that wants to try and, this is what I would argue, not everyone, but there is a group of people, moderates and on the left, who want to uphold the Republic, the Union, not the Confederacy, the Union version of our Republic. And then furthest to the left, you know, you've got people who really want to try and pull in some new solutions to old problems, and they're getting labeled with everything under the sun. Um, and I'm not saying all their ideas are great, but I don't think you throw them all away either, right? Well, no, you don't. And you don't label them with socialism. I'll continue to fight until my I'm blue in the face. If I'm just waiting, I, I hope one day we get an interviewee and they want to f- talk about socialism because mm-hmm. socialism's all around us. Socialism is the United States. The Hoover Dam is a great a wonder. Okay, I will a- tell you why we don't have capitalism today. We have social cap. We have corporate capitalism, which is corporate socialism <laughs> in capitalist clothing. <laughs> We're oppressed. We're oppressed. We We're all paying these the taxes. Citizens. Our citizens are paying these huge tax bills, and yet these companies exist as an individual and can seek a refund. And I'm sorry, but what have you done for me lately? Because I'm paying you through my taxes and I'm paying you through my checkbook, Amazon. That's what I feel. So we need to, we're going to, during all of season two, all of season two, I think we're dedicating to tuning up the Republic. We're going to be covering a lot of topics um, like this idea of freedom from oppression. Right now we're talking, we're framing freedom from oppression. We're going to be talking a lot about the solutions to these items. Um, and we're going to be doing it bit by bit, piece by piece. There's a lot of good ideas out there and we want to start presenting them here. And we're going to present them in this in this set of planks this framework this platform is kind of the lens we're going to use to bring all those solutions forth we're going to say remember when we were talking about freedom from oppression why we all you know we all deserve to have freedom from oppression and that means making sure our vote our free speech etc well we're going to be talking about what it takes to secure that vote in this journey this journey is going to be done with you. Uh, we're not going to get there alone through your feedback and with interviews through you, our listeners, uh, we're going to get to this together because we are not the Oracle. Uh, we do not live in an echo chamber. We're looking forward to uh, having deep rooted conversations with our fellow Americans. And we've already started. We've uh, been doing practice interviews so far. They've been a little bit more like a banana Republic. Uh, and so we're working on it though. With that, We're going to go ahead and close out today's episode. For more information on this and other episodes, head over to citizendogood.com and click on podcast. 
While you're there, register to log in and leave a comment. We'd love to hear from the community. We've been your hosts. Thank you to Mr. Raymond Wong Jr. And thank you uh, to Mr. Piscatelli. It's truly been respectful of federal property today. (laughs) It's been something, that is for sure. And special thanks to you, our listeners. We save the best for last. You are the best and have been for years. Thank you for your support. We know it's painful and we love you. Intro music sampled from OK Class by Ozzy Jocks under Creative Commons license through freemusicarchive.org. Other music provided royalty-free through Fizzling Studios, Inc.